Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Maddie. I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany, and today we get to talk about mental health. We are in week two of five of our teaching series called We Don't Talk About That. And so for the remaining four Sundays, we're going to continue to open the lid on some conversations that we really need to be able to talk about. We're going to do this because we believe it's what Jesus came to do. Jesus was here to shine light into dark places of things that maybe we don't even want to talk about but need to. We believe this because of one of the amazing descriptions of Jesus' intention and purpose for his existence that we find in John, one of his followers, as he introduces Jesus to the world. He said that Jesus is a light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So we're going to unpack mental health today with hope that it can be for our good, it can be for our benefit, it can be for our health that we have this conversation. Now, what I want to do is I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about when we talk mental health. Today, our intention is not to try and solve mental illness. It is not to try and diagnose and prescribe for mental disorders or any sort of diagnosis that you're facing or a loved one is facing. What we want to be able to do is something very different. What we don't assume is that in 20 minutes, we can solve every single individual thing that is afflicting us mentally, from every chemical imbalance to every hurt and every trauma we've been through that now play a part in our lives. And we also believe that pursuing medical professional help is a good thing. If you feel like you need that, if you need to be able to get through some things, I myself have also taken on um, mental professional help, which has led to medications that I have taken to help me get through some depression. It's not a bad thing. It's not a sin to be sick. It's not something that is untrusting of God or Jesus if you choose to be medically helped. So here's what we are going to seek to do today, though. We're going to seek to talk to what it looks like to pursue and choose a healthy state of mind. No matter where you're at, your circumstances, or what disorders or illnesses you feel that you suffer from. Now, when it comes to a healthy mental state, I think we could all do a really good job of describing what an unhealthy mental state would be. These things are described as when we have a low view of our own worth and and, and what we matter and what we mean. Perhaps it's shown by a sense of hopelessness, purposelessness. It can also be that we really struggle to connect with others, where we have anxieties, we have things that kind of lay on top of us that don't allow us to enjoy and pursue life. Lots of things we could talk about that we would say, yeah, that's a sign of poor mental health. However, I think few of us would be able to make a good job of describing what good mental health looks like. I pitched that question out to Facebook this week and said, okay, what would you say is good mental health? And some of the answers I got back were, well, as far as the East is from the West in their description of people's beliefs on mental health. But the one thing, the one answer that kept repeating itself was, I don't know. And another one was, is there even such a thing? Is there even such a thing as good mental health? That's the normal state of play that we are in our beliefs now, that poor mental health is just the new normal. I think this morning, what if we do nothing else, if you take nothing else, it should be that, hey, maybe we can say, Having poor mental health shouldn't be the new normal. Maybe it's not something that we should just come to accept as part of our lives. Maybe like other things that become unhealthy, we should be willing and able to admit it, to be able to seek treatment, to be able to seek to get it better. The problem with mental health and why we don't or why we have an aversion to is because it's been kept in lock and key in the undiscussed section of our society for too long. And so now we are only getting to it, we're only talking about it because it affects so many And when it's untreated, the results can be horrendous. Now, the government has some things to say about your mental health. 
They say you're all crazy. No, I'm kidding. Mentalhealth.gov says that there's a few signs of good mental health that you can pursue and actually will show that, hey, things are, things are going pretty good. One of those is that you have a good view of your own self-worth. Another is that you can handle and, and, and deal with stressors, that you can achieve and pursue goals, and that you can add to good and profitable relationships. Your worth, stresses, goals, and relationships. And there's an amazing amount of crossover and overlap when it comes to psychological world, medical world, and spiritual world, of which we all really just desire to be healthy. Who doesn't want to think that they're worthy and worth something? Who doesn't want to think that they can achieve goals, deal with stress, and have good relationships? That's what we all want, regardless of, our, regardless of our beliefs. But today, we're going to walk down the avenue of what I believe God has given us as direction of how we do that. How we start along that path of no matter what we're going through or where we're at today, how we can start to have a healthier state of mind. Because no matter what you believe and what you choose to take or leave from our conversation today, I believe that God knows you. I believe that he created you and I believe he knows what is needed in your life and I believe he knows what he doesn't want you to have to live with. So we're going to dig through this example that we find, an interaction Jesus has with one of his loved friends and how she shows some signs of being less than at peace in her mental state and how Jesus chooses to respond to it. So what we're looking at is an interaction that we find in Luke chapter 10. And it kicks off like this. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she, needed, that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, this has probably never happened to you because you have amazingly stable families and relatives. But this is a big scene at family dinner. This is like Thanksgiving stress bubbling over the top. And the reason that I think this one jumped out at me when we started preparing for this conversation is we can all relate to it. This isn't just too narrow an instance in which we can say, well, that's not me and that's not what I struggle with. We all know what it is like to snap. And as we look at Martha's behavior, I think we can start to understand that this is not just about dinner. This is not just about preparing dinner. This is about something else going on in her life because Jesus was in her home. At the very least, at that moment, Jesus was one of the greatest teachers of all time, and he performed miracles, yet she's in the kitchen instead. Something's going wrong in her. Something's misaligned to the point that she makes a huge scene. I'm guessing she walks up to Jesus, not in a way that pulls him to one side quietly, but instead yells in front of everyone in the living room, Mary's lazy, tell her to do some work. Because of this, Martha gets a really bad rap. As the big bad older sister, she gets the bad rap of just having some issues, some kind of priority misalignment. But I think if we were to look at Martha and we were to look at her maybe with more compassionate eyes, we'd maybe be able to assess that perhaps maybe she's not a jerk. Perhaps maybe this isn't her normal behavior. Perhaps she's just not doing well. Perhaps she's living it on the raggedy edge of life so that it has her yelling out at loved ones when guests are in the house. I believe that, I think that, I think we should entertain that as we walk through the story because I know and you know that when you snap, well, you don't snap, 
you're perfect. When I snap, it is rarely the thing that just happened that's making me snap. It, it is not about dinner. So when I yell at guests in my home, or chew out my children, or slam doors and walk out, or break down into tears, or want to flee and never come back, it's not about the dinner. It's not about the thing. It's about what's been going on inside of us, what's been whirling and swirling and spiraling, so that when we finally get torn open by the thing, all of the mental anguish and despair just pours out, and people are thinking, wow, she really cares about this dinner, but it has nothing to do with it. It's to do with the health of our mental state, and Jesus sees this, and he responds to it. The way that he responds to it is not, Martha, get your crap together, it's just dinner. And he doesn't respond by saying, hey, Mary, you need to start getting up and you need to start worrying about what Martha is worried about. That's not how he responds. This is how he responds. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus' response to a woman on the edge, I'm guessing she's not holding a knife at the time, is to tell her what you're currently worried about is not worth being worried about. Have you ever tried that one? (laughs) Calm down, honey. Uh, She comes to him frustrated, distraught, possibly very angry, and he says, you're wrong. You're wrong about your upset. You're wrong about your worry. You're wrong about your concern because there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and this ain't it. He boldly states one thing. Only one thing, not only just one thing to worry about, only one thing that's even worth being concerned about. One thing, the whole of existence that is worth being concerned about. Now, let's just take this into context. Imagine you hurting, frustrated, angry, and you go to God himself and say, I'm frustrated and I'm hurt and I'm angry with this individual thing. And his response is, you're wrong for being frustrated. You're wrong for being concerned so much about this thing. In her own home, in her living room, in front of guests, he says, you're wrong. There is only one thing worth being worried about, concerned about. Let's be honest, how would we respond if anyone did that to you in your life? Probably, how dare you get out and stab. How dare you, how dare you tell me not to be worried? How dare you tell me not to be concerned? I'm obviously concerned for a good reason. I'm not crazy. I'm just, I'm worried about the dinner. I want it to be good. I'm worried about other people helping. I'm worried about how life should be. How dare you tell me I'm not doing life correctly? That's how most of us would respond. The other half of us would respond, I can't wait to tell my wife how very few things I need to be concerned about. Dishes and yard work, no longer concerned. It's not the one thing. Jesus said so. But Jesus doesn't come at Martha out of anger and frustration at her for getting it wrong. He comes out of concern. He says, my dear Martha, he comes to her out of love. And honestly, this is something, if nothing else to be learned, the only place we should come out of when we seek to help someone in their mental health distress, out of care, concern, and love. Not of our own hurt, not of our own frustration with them, but a desire for their good. That's what Jesus does first. He says, my dear Martha. And then he says, beware the details. These details should not have the amount of weight they have in your life. Now, I'm not one 
that would ever desire to overstep my boundaries with you this morning. But here goes. There's a good chance that 99% of the things that you're concerned about are not worth being concerned about. Almost everything you have with you on your shoulders, in your mind, and in your life would not fit into the category of the one thing worth being concerned about, that these things should not, do not, cannot take so much of you. It's not worth it. They are not worth it. Because Jesus said there's one thing that is worth being concerned about. Not only did he say there's one thing, but he said Mary's discovered it. Mary has discovered it. She has found it. It will never be taken from her. He doesn't just say, hey, there's one thing. Good luck. He says there's one thing, and I'm going to point you to a person right in front of you who's doing it. No one wants to be told, be more like your sister, but he does it anyway. Do what she's doing. That is what you should be concerned about. The one thing that Mary's concerned about that day, being close to Jesus Christ. When he entered her house, Her mentality and mindset was as close as she can for as long as she can to learn what she can. That was her number one priority and desire. Martha's was not. Martha's was distraction. Martha's was perception. Martha's was duty. Martha's was how it would be seen and how things would go. Details. Now Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and him saying she's found it, she's discovered it, this is what you're supposed to do. That's not a prescription to be irresponsible. It's not a prescription to run away from your details and your worries and concerns. It's not like Mary for the rest of her days did nothing else other than sit at his feet. But instead, it shows that there is a priority placed. That when she can, when she notices she can, priority one is given to being close to Jesus Christ. This is a very simple, I think an offensively simple way that Jesus has called us to live. A way that shows us that life and and it going well is not about you adding religious burdens to yourself. It, It is not about adding more things to your plate and more details and more accomplishments and more pursuits. It's not about attaching worth to things that will fail. It's not about putting your stability and your purpose in life and your very ability to feel okay in any of the details that come your way. If we walk that avenue, and we have, and we will, when we do walk that avenue of pursuing our health in these details, we will crash and we will snap because they will always fail. They will always never meet the expectations you had. If we want a healthy state of mind, it means a different perspective on life, a completely different one. One that asks you not to attach who you are and what you are and what you mean to another person. Not to attach the stability of your mental health to if things are going okay or not. I believe mentalhealth.gov has probably got it right. I think that mental health does look like self-worth and a good view of it. Being able to pursue goals, being able to deal with stress, being able to have good relationships. I think, he's, I think that's right. Because I think that's exactly what Jesus came to do to show the path to live life. Knowing your worth knowing that you are the most valuable thing on the face of the earth, valued by the most important thing that has ever been in existence, knowing that that amount of value will never change, no matter what you do, how you succeed or how you fail. That seems like a decent way to know of a healthy, good value in yourself and have worth. How to deal with stress. The amount of times Jesus says that this is not for you to carry. 
It's not for you to bear. It's not for you to fix. It's not for you to be able to be the one to be the great big solver of all things. These are things that will come your way that you are challenged to give to God. Challenged to hand stress over instead of being able to imbibe it for yourself. Goals? Jesus is full of goals. Full of ways to be able to do life in a healthy way. But it's a very simple one that he gave. To love God and to love people. That's all you got to go for. That's all that health means. And finally, good relationships. Well, that would be the love people bit, wouldn't it? That would be the not needing people, but being so fulfilled that you can actually love them out of that surplus, out of that overflow of knowing your worth, knowing your goals, knowing how to deal with stress, knowing how to love people. Now, are these things easy? No, not at all. Terribly difficult. If they were easy, everybody would do them. The reason that they're difficult, though, is not because of skill or ability or attainment or how good you are. It's difficult because you have to make tough decisions. First, you have to make a decision that you need Jesus Christ, that you need him. It's not optional. Second, you need to be able to choose to stay close, to make priority one sitting close. You were made to receive direction in life. You were made to live a certain way, a way that would be good for you, that would be healthy for you and for everyone around you. Your mind was built to find Jesus. Your mind was built to find Jesus. And if that discovery is never made, the details will continuously overwhelm. Now, Jesus sits in front of you and tells you and gives you this challenge for today, tomorrow, this week, and you're basically next step every single day forever, which is to be concerned. To be a concerned person, but be concerned with only one thing, only one thing that is worth being concerned with, that all things will flow out of that. All answers, all direction, all peace will flow out of being concerned of that one thing. The challenge is for us to look at our details, to look at the everything else's that we do, And like I said, not flee from them, not drop off the face of the world, but instead to bring your world closer to Jesus, to bring your details closer to Jesus for examination. So let me ask, what gets in the way of you having a healthy mental state? Is it your thoughts? Do you have thoughts about yourself that Jesus would probably want to argue with? Do you have thoughts about what's important and what's not that Jesus might want to choose to correct? Have you been told things that you now believe that God would never say to you? Then maybe you need to challenge your own thoughts. Maybe you need to be willing to say, I might be wrong about me. And I might be wrong about others. I might be wrong about Jesus. And I'm going to choose to bring those things closer into alignment with him. Is it that you struggle in your mental health when it comes to your purpose? The intention of your life, what you're here to do, why you even exist? If that's taking from your mental health, there's a good chance it's misaligned. It's a good chance that you're you're not actually where you're supposed to be in the sense of what God has called you to do and who he wants you to be. That might mean being willing to ask the question, what is it that I've been wanting and what is it that God wants to give me? What does he want to be able to provide for me? What does he want to be able to show me to do with my life? Is it a relationship that gets in the way of your mental health, that gets in the way of focusing on one thing. Do you need another person to be okay? Do you need a man 
in your life? Do you need a woman in your life? Do you need someone else to be able to tell you that you're worth something? If that's true, there is a good chance that the voice of God that has always been trying to tell you your worth, you've become deaf to. You choose not to listen to, you choose not to believe because you're supposed to be told your worth, but you're supposed to be told it by the one that finds you worthy and will forever find you worthy. Or is it your money? Is it money that riles you up? Is it money that robs you of peace? Is it money that gets in the way that you need more of it, want more of it, want to keep more of it, save more of it, give more of it? There's a good chance you're not using the money the way that it was intended to be given to you, the way that it was intended to be used. Like these things and many others get in the way, these details. We must be willing to talk about that if we want to pursue good mental health. We must be willing to invest in ourselves by walking closer to Jesus more often when priorities are given, opportunities are given. If you desire to do that, if you want to love God and love people, we love to love you doing that. We love to invest in you far beyond Sunday morning in being able to pursue that path. That's why we have some things that we've created for you to be able to do. Not for our good, not for our benefit, not for our glory, but for your good. Tonight, six o'clock, our financial peace class meets every Sunday for the next few weeks. They want to open their doors to you for free to be able to come and see what it means to not be ruled by your money, but to get a taste of what it could mean to get free of that. On Monday nights, we host Jesus one, uh, Church 101, something that was created by our leaders so that we could actually talk about why church is even here, why we need community together, why we need to invest into it to protect ourselves, to guide each other. Tuesday night, celebrate recovery, to be able to come to places where when you have things built into your life you can't take off, can't get rid of, that distract you from what's important. That's why these people are here, to help and to serve you. Wednesday night, Jesus 101, to have simple conversations about who Jesus is and why he is, why it means so much to you. Every single one of these exists, and every single one happens at six o'clock, so there's no excuses for time. They're there. You need to be willing to have more conversations about our worth and stress and goals and relationships. We need to be able to talk about that. We need to be able to talk about our mental health in completely different environments to one another, We need to be able to ask, are things taking from me or are things giving to me? Because Jesus intended for one thing alone, for him to shine light into all corners of your life, to show you what matters and what doesn't, to be the remedy for what is taking from you and choking you out. Our challenge is to trust in pursuing and being concerned about one thing only, the one thing that Jesus said is most important. And with that comes this promise that he shared. He said to all of you, I'm leaving you with a gift, a gift of peace of mind and heart. And this peace is a gift I give you that cannot be given by the world. So don't be troubled or afraid. That is the living hope of a relationship, a close relationship with Jesus Christ, the thing he desperately wants to give you today. If you need to talk to someone and Sunday night's too far away, our prayer team will be up front here during the last worship song, during the end of the experience. They would love to be that person for you. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you that it is not something that need crush us and send us into despair when we notice that we're not healthy. That that's the beginning. That gets to be the beginning of a journey in which you want to take us toward what you want to take us toward. God, I ask that we'd be willing to put our anxieties and our fear and our insecurity in your hands. That we would be 
provoked one way or another to do something to not allow poor mental health to be the norm in our home or the norm in our community. Help us to fight for what is good and what you desire to give us. Help us to take steps. In Jesus' name.